everyone, and welcome to Connect, the weekly podcast of the California MBA featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Susan Malazzo, CEO of the California MBA, and I'm very happy that you could join us for today's episode. But before we get to our guest, I'd like to thank our uh, Connect podcast sponsor, Incelerate. Incelerate helps lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement the mortgage industry's most innovative customer experience platform, which delivers lead management, sales enablement, engagement, a robust mortgage-specific content library, and data intelligence, all in one comprehensive and highly scalable platform. Incelerate delivers dynamic technology, strategy, and content for every channel of your business to ensure engagement throughout the customer journey, whether it be with your borrowers, your referral partners, or anyone that's a party to the transaction. This dynamic enterprise solution seamlessly fits into your tech stack due to their advanced API connectivity, modern design, and open architecture. Gone are the days of managing multiple and separate systems and having your data trapped in data silos. This innovative platform allows you to provide your internal and external customers timely relevant information based on data intelligence to build repeatable outcomes at every stage of the customer's journey. Close more loans, build borrower conversions, enhance customer retention, transform your customer acquisition lifestyle and create customers for life. So for more information, you can visit incelerate.com or call the number at the bottom of your screen. So that brings us to today's guest, uh, which is Matt Ostrander, CEO of Parkside Lending. A uh, former member of the California MBA Board of Directors and uh, a very good friend of mine. So, Matt, welcome. Thank you. Very good to be here with you. It's great to see you again. I love your background out in, out in nature today. I love it. Thank you. I am, I am one with nature. And uh, I'm not <laughs> on a walnut farm. You're not, not on a walnut farm. Walnut. I am on a walnut farm. I'm going to tell you, I, I should have them in my background next time. Next time, I will, I will think about that. We'll set up outside. Um, right. Hey, I want to start out by uh, by thanking you and Parkside Lending, not only for many years of membership support uh, and your leadership in our organization, but in 2021, Parkside was one of our President's Council sponsors. And for that, I am very grateful. So thank you. I uh, very much appreciate um, your support there. It's the um, so we're just we always start out letting Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I kind of just want to start out and give uh, everybody an idea of your background. Um, you know, how did you get started in the mortgage business? Ah, let's see. Um, short answer is uh, I needed a job. And I went and <laughs> met with this guy that I knew that was a mortgage broker. And that's Alan, who is the co-owner and uh, manager of, uh, of Parkside. And he said, I have an idea. And I had, I was a musician at the time. So like I had no idea about anything that had to do with financial anything. And he said, I have an idea. I want to start a mortgage bank and um, you do all the work and I'll put up the money and we'll split it 50, 50. And uh, I was like, the first thing that came to mind was, wow, mortgage bank sounds super shady. Because I had no idea what that was. I was like, what is a mortgage bank? <laughs> but but at the same time, I was like, you know what? I'm in. 
I'm in because I don't even know what this is, but like it's better than what I don't have, which is nothing. And uh, and so the rest is history. <laughs> that is that is like everybody I else love, uh, fell into it backwards. Like nobody's like ah, you know. Yeah, a lot of people well. fell into it, but you definitely fell into it. Fell into it backwards. And um, I also I love part of your background is that you were a professional musician in the band Viv in the '90s. I mean, that's really very cool. Very cool. Yeah. It was there's it was not cool. a lot of people in the mortgage business that can say that. I mean, I think that you are gonna be like right at the top there. In fact, I don't know any others. It's you know, it's good to to have your twenties be completely a lost cause, you know, and just be bumbling around the the universe doing nothing and making two nickels. Um <laughs> but when you're you like thirty-four, either. you're lying and saying you're twenty-eight. You know, thirty-four is like you might as well be like eight hundred and fifty years old because they or like, wait, you're 34? Oh, I don't know if you're a rock and roller anymore because you, you're over 30. So, you know, it, it ran its course. That's funny. Well, you know, great, uh, you know, great uh, story for the genesis of Parkside Lending. Um, uh, so you're, you're co-founder of Parkside. Um, but, you know, and tell us how, you know, we kind of heard how I got started, but you know, what's the secret sauce that's kind of kept the business or the, you know, your business growing uh, in the ups and downs of the market? Blackmailing of all of the employees. Mm, all right. Job one. Um, I'm taking notes. Okay. And collusion with uh, criminals. No, it, it, it's basically been um, slow and steady. We, we, we were only in California for the longest of time. And um, it wasn't until... I think 2013 or 14. So we started the company in 04. And for a decade, we were only California, which made it really um, great because California is a really big market. And it was wonderful for us to, to be in that market and not really have the complications of being nationwide. Um, and we were really simple too. We only did Fannie Freddie lending. We didn't do anything. We did no non-QM, no jumbo, no, no gubby lending. Like we were super vanilla just one state for about a decade, it was great. Um, and then as the world started to shift and we saw some regulatory changes and we saw some, some, some things that were happening and opportunities, we decided to go nationwide. And, um, but still kept it simple, kept the message really simple. And you know, we stayed in wholesale um, all but one year out of 17 years. Um, and we really felt like we, do one thing really well, let's just stick at it and let's be really uh, straightforward and good customer service. We were never like the greatest technology. We were never the greatest price. We never had every product, but we did have a good focus on um, trying to just take care of our business partners and that works. Who knew? Right. It just worked and being, being there consistently was the secret sauce. I think that's a that's a nod to just the you know the the fact that we all say that it is true. This is a very relationship based business. You know, you took care, you know you take care of your employees, your business partners, and you know led to great success and had that as a, you know your high priority. Yeah, and it, it's funny because it's like not really that sexy to talk about, and it it's a little fuzzy and un and you can't really get your hands around it completely. Um, but you definitely know when a company is good to work with 
and when they're not. And you also know when your peers are doing things that are, you know, like within the company, you know when somebody's giving good customer service or not. And so we spent a lot of time just focusing on on that and it it, it worked out well. Um, you know, and it, it, it definitely sustained us through through the the different cycles of, of the business, which can be pretty dramatic, as you all know. I, sh I should say that it did sustain you. So I uh, started in 2004, and you've grown to be ranked number 16 largest wholesale lenders in the country. What? That's crazy. What? It's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, you impressed. You're not only, I mean, not only given the time, but I mean, you accomplished that through the financial crisis and now a global pandemic. Um, so, yeah. you know, big congratulations to you and to your team at Parkside, but, but you sold the wholesale platform to Finance of America. So what led to that acquisition? Um, it was the right time. Uh, you know, we, we were just exiting the pandemic and, you know, the pandemic is so strange, right? Because it's, it's kind of like a, a tale of two pandemics. There's, there's the really, really bad part about the pandemic and financial and and emotional and, and physical, like just devastation. And then there's some other sides of it, which we all know in the mortgage industry, which last year was like a mind-blowingly good year for refinances. And, um, you know, it's kind of a weird thing how the, the financial impact of the pandemic really hit the service industry, but not a lot of service industry folks on the whole are, are a big portion of the home ownership population. And so a lot of people were able to refinance um, throughout the pandemic and take advantage of low rates. And so we as ownership group at um, Parkside had been through many, many, many cycles. And we decided, hey, this is a great cycle for us to look for a good partner that really shares our values and that can take this group of employees, we had like around 300 employees, take them, and, um, you know, and they took like, I don't know, 70, 80, 90% of the employees and, um, and, and continue on. And, and, and everybody can kind of exit gracefully on our own terms, which is hard to do in this industry. I mean, like, I think everybody knows this, that, that are owners or entrepreneurs or whatever, that, that, you know, you build something and it's one thing to build it and be successful. It's a whole nother thing to figure out what to do with it once you build it. Um, and so being able to find a way to, to hand it off yeah. in a safe manner is it's, it's not easy. And we saw an opportunity and so we took it and, you know, thankfully it worked out. We were, we were lucky. Well, it's great. That's great. Congratulations again. It's just, you know, huge, uh, huge accomplishments. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I, uh, this year, the California MBA launched a diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. Uh, we wanted to do it for a while. Um, I think the you know the events of 2020 kind of helped um, you know fast track that um, that initiative for me. I really wanted to be able to provide information and resources to lenders of all sizes as to how they could either begin or enhance. Uh, a DEI program in their own companies, and we're having some great success with that. And I know that that has always, it seems like that has always been something that's come kind of natural to Parkside. I, the, the company, the people that I've known, and, the, and I've known, I've been grateful to know a lot of people at Parkside. Um, but what do you think is the heart of Parkside's diversity initiatives? 
That's such a great question. I think about that a lot um, because, you know, being a musician before starting Parkside, I came from a very diverse background. You know, music has a lot of different, there's a lot of diversity. There's a lot of equity because all of us have no equity and we're completely poor. And there's a lot of inclusion too. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, um, I had never been in another company and, you know, we just kind of had the mantra of, you know, whoever is best at whatever they do is who we want to be with us in our company. Um, and, you know, the company is based in the Bay Area. I live up in Marin County, north of San Francisco. San Francisco is an incredibly DEI city. Um, and so, right. you know, part of the DNA of Parkside being formed in the Bay Area just already had a potpourri of different backgrounds, ethnicities, um, you know, uh, it's, you know, different sexual orientation. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until you know, we had really kind of moved along and, and kind of developed the company and the company got like somewhat larger and we started meeting with other investors and stuff and they started meeting our people that I kind of had sidebars with people and they were like, wow, you know, you have such like an interesting group of, you know, women and also minorities who are running your company. Um, and, it, you know, it was just, I think it was, Part of it is just kind of the area of the country. And the other part of it was my background, just growing up in the music industry. Right. And it was just kind of normal. But I'm so glad that you guys are doing um, DEI stuff. Um, it seems like it's it's really starting to take root everywhere. It's, um, it's so tricky uh, to get it right. Um, there's so many things that go into it. And there's so many lessons to be learned. And I think the greatest thing that I could say about DEI is um, you get better at it the more you do it. And it, like, it gets more um, like normalized the more people are, are talking about it and really living it. And, um, and, it, and it really turns your company into a great company. Um, and you, you, you know, like if you just wanna look at it from an economic level and forget like, the ethical level or, you know, um, your, your duty to society or on principle, like just from an economic level, you'll make way more money. Um, and you know, yeah. you much more successful. Um, there's huge the statistics on that are, are, are amazing. I mean, That's and, and uh, like I say, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it is really, um, it's really been, uh, educational for me to kind of see all of that information as we have launched this committee this year. But I also know, again, just kind of uh, the people that I know at Parkside, it just, it has to really enhance your corporate culture. Yeah. Overall. And, you know, and the CMBA, California Mortgage Bankers Association, has done such a great job at, embracing that and starting that even before it was like kind of vogue, you know, I mean, to, to kind of have that DEI. We, I remember when we were on the board that like, we started to really say like, look, we need some more diversity. Um, just a bunch right. of like 40 old white men sitting around talking about stuff um, in a, in a highly diverse universe uh, in a state that is right. like really diverse. So it's great. It's really right. cool. You guys led the way in many ways. Yeah.
Thank you. We and we hope to be doing more of that. The leadership was kind of talking about how even you know kind of expanding on that. So thank you. It is very important to uh, you know our industry, um, you know our society in general, and certainly is a priority for um, for the California MBA. So um, kind of switch back just to market things. What are what do you what do you think your your outlook on the mortgage market is for the next 12, 24 months? Well, it's funny that you say that. I didn't know that you were going to ask me that question. No idea. Um, yeah, exactly. All right, so this is what I have written down. I'm going to read a, okay. a statement. Okay, so Boise, Phoenix, and Salt Lake are the hardest. They're the hottest markets in terms of uh, of year-over-year -year price gains. Okay, so Boise, Phoenix, and Salt Lake, 20% up. Wow. wow. Yeah. Phoenix. Um, huh. Yeah. Phoenix. Um, but prices have been cooling lately, at least when I wrote this, um, following a more seasonal pattern relative to the prior year when demand was like outpacing supply big time. Um, the outlook for uh, housing demand is strong, um, but we likely won't see the 20% gains again um, as affordability pressures start to become a factor, especially for entry level people, right? So um, interest rates could be a wild card though, always. And um, if rates go higher, it would be further pressure. If they go lower, then it lets some new home buyers. So that's kind of my brief synopsis of what's going on. <laughs> what's, going, what's going on and what, what we can expect. I know yeah. it's kind of coming off of the, uh, you know, the roller coaster that 2020 was for everybody. And then, you know, they've seen yeah, sustained, you know, sustained, you know, healthy market in 21. So now it's kind of like, okay, you know, what's, uh, you know, where, where are we heading from here? But um, yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate that. I know what, uh, another thing I wanted to, to talk with you about is the use of technology in the industry. I think that, um, you know, our, and the mortgage industry was a, a little slow to adopt. I think that a lot of that as I shared before, I think it has to do with the financial crisis. We've spent so many years kind of recovering from those wounds that we were not as an industry developing technology. But now, of course, it is uh, it is in mandatory. It's imperative. Right. You can't not you can't be behind on the adoption of technology. Right. And uh, and 2020, of course, every industry got forced more into that. What do you think? Kind of is the next. Or do you have an idea of what the next big focus for technology in the mortgage space is going to be? It's I, I think about this a lot, um, and you know I have a couple I have two schools of thought that kind of compete when when it comes to technology. Um, one is uh, you you know one is you absolutely have to adopt technology and. You know, the next big thing, I think everybody is always trying to figure out how can we um, make underwriting, which is the most expensive part of the mm -hmm. manufacturing process, how do we chip away at the complexity that the underwriters experience, right? Because they they have to know so many different things. And so you have some people that do a really great job of compartmentalizing the different things, like Quicken. You know, you have other people who are just really, really far out in terms of their ability to automate things like UWM. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you have to be careful as a as a smaller to a mid-sized lender 
um, in getting too far out over your skis with technology and, and looking at the, the ROI on it. Um, cause it kind of, there's certain items that are very ROI intensive. Like you can really get a return for the amount of effort that it takes to, to, to employ the technology. There are other things that just good old fashioned, like, wait a second, you know, like, um, did you see the McDonald, the Ray Kroc movie about how like he'd like mapped out the kitchen? Have you ever seen that movie? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's awesome. I forget what the name of it is, but you got to watch it. It's a new movie over the last like four or five years. Phenomenal movie. Just talking about like the, the founder of McDonald's, not Ray Kroc, but the guy that he ripped the idea off from. It was two brothers down in L.A. And one of the brothers was a genius at like basically if he ran a mortgage company, it would be really well run. And he just figured out like, OK, we need to put the fries next to the you know, this over here and everybody's got to do everything in the right order and the right way. And we kind of stamp everything out. I think the, the, with, with mortgages, it gets so complicated so fast for, and, and the volume ebbs and flows so much. My advice for technology is, you know, start out with trying to get, um, you know, focus on things that mute the highs and, on when when you're high in volume that you don't have to keep on hiring right so if you if you can just kind of make those those curves a little bit less steep i know that sounds stupid but like take a little bit of the edge off kind of like a compressor and like not have such highs and everything in a band and what i mean by that like give you one example um parkside took this process when when um when we came out with the disclosures right the le and um, we took that process and it used to take, uh, it took 60 people five days on average to go back and forth with the brokers to get the LE done. It was like high touch back and forth. Wow. It's wrong. No, you do this again. Da, 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 da. Well, we automated that process and we were able to eliminate those 60 jobs, but move them to other areas of the company. We kept everybody, um, but that process went to to um, under five minutes, and it was automated. It never stopped ever, and it pulled in fees and regulations from all 50 states and did it perfectly every time. And so being able to automate something like that had a huge ROI factor for us. Be careful, like a lot of technology, I, and I'm speaking more to small and mid-sized lenders. As as we look at technology, the ROI on certain technologies, you have to be careful because sometimes it's just it's just better to do a better operational process. You know, we've had some ops managers that are just really good at just changing the way in which we do things and the order in which that we do them, and it was like equally as good. I wouldn't say that you can compete with the likes of Quicken and UWM in that fashion, but you might just do pretty well anyway. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's still going to be a, a process for lenders, I think, using, uh, you know, kind of finding that way to, you know, successfully integrate all the technologies that they're going to have to, uh, you know, that they're going to have to be using and incorporating going forward. But, yeah, there's a um, lot. I wanted to, uh, you know, ask you your, you know, kind of your thoughts because one, you've been a member of my leadership. You were on the board. You were chairman of uh, the board of directors, and that was my boss for a whole year. Um, and I know you understand 
critical nature of what the California MBA does from an advocacy standpoint um, and representation before the California State Legislature and our regulators. Um, can you share a little bit about why you think it is important for lenders like Parkside to support the association and what we do from an advocacy standpoint? Yeah, um, I I feel like one of the things that we always have to remember as owners or entrepreneurs of and participants in the mortgage lending industry is that the laws that are made in California in particular are very, very influential laws for the United States. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the need for a voice at the table and ability to tell the legislature in Sacramento, these are the unintended consequences or these are the really good things that are gonna happen by doing something. Having the California Mortgage Bankers Association there and having expertise to be able to represent our industry is critical for the United States in a whole, but also for California. So even if you're a nationwide lender, you should really care about California. You should really care. And, you know, I've seen countless times over the nine years that I was on the board that there had been a situation where the advice and counsel of the California Mortgage Bankers Association was sought out either through, you know, some kind of brief that we wrote or some kind of direct um, conversation or lobbying efforts, um, white papers, continuing education, all those things, they're all so important. And, and I know that it's an expense and some people think like, ah, you know, like that's not for me. I don't need that. I, I work in an industry. I don't need anybody else's help. And um, you do. And the more that you knew about it, the more that you would realize that I think that this is really a good thing. So that's that's one one way of looking at it. The other thing is, on principle, giving back to something that has given your family its livelihood and that employs and keeps people um, healthy and happy and 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 making a living and and living and, and doing well that industry, it needs active participants. It's not something that just can run on its own and, and be fine. It's, it's too, um, it's, it's too near and dear to the hearts of, of too many um, people that want to do well, but they could possibly not create the best of situations through their best intentions. And so, you know, you right. need this advocacy, and you need this education. I, you know, Parkside would not have been existing had I not been able to go to the California Mortgage Bankers Association um, Western Secondary event in San Francisco and learn and learn the, the the broker to banker stuff. And I mean, it's an amazing organization. And I do want to say that you, Susan, are amazing, and that the organization oh. would not be the same without you and all the countless hours of incredible work and dedication with a smile um and i know you you said that i was your boss but we all know <laughs> um we all know that don't mess with the redhead she will mess you up. no i'm just kidding 
No, it was amazing to work with you, and I really looked up to you, and I felt like um, you were so together and and so such a class act that it was it was great to learn a lot from you too. And and I think this organization is like that. There's a lot of people that are on the board or that have been on the board have cycled through, both on the commercial side and on the the resi side. Just amazing, yeah. really cool, and and they all gave back, and it's you know they do that for free. <laughs> for less than yeah free. yeah yeah no kidding and i i always like to tell people in the industry it's like support the organization that supports you and your company because as you've seen in all the years that you've watched the legislative ad, you know the issues that we followed there's so many things that could have passed that would have you know negatively impacted access to credit that does affect your bottom line so for those lender you know anybody out there that thinks so oh, i don't really care about politics well it cares about you so thank you i appreciate all and it in your kind words i i uh, i appreciate that so uh i have known you for a long time and i uh i want to wrap this up with something fun um i know you and your family are big soccer fans and your son's mm -hmm. quite accomplished uh, in that area are you watching ted lasso yes i love ted lasso <laughs> I am addicted to Yeah. You know what I love about Ted Lasso? So my children, I have an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old that watch it with me. The 15-year-old's like, I don't even want to watch it with you guys. But like the eight and 12-year-old, my wife and I have been explaining to them like, hey, you know, this is like a shared cultural event, which is very bizarre in the world right now, right? Because everything's on demand. So like when I used to watch The Muppet Show when I was a kid, like we would all talk about it at elementary school. And then we would watch the Muppet show on like, I think it was like a Monday night or something like that, or a Tuesday night. And like everybody, like if you miss that show, like seven o'clock, like that's it. Like you're not gonna see it again. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it reruns a year from now, but like that it came and went and there was no binge watching. So what I like is that you have to wait a whole week for it. And that like other people are waiting too. And it's like this whole yeah. thing all waiting. The anticipation of it all. I know. I love it. He's such a. It's it's such a, a fun show on so many so many different uh, so many different levels. But uh, who's your favorite character? You do you have a favorite character? Oh yeah. my gosh. Mine is mine is uh mine is Roy Kent. I love Roy Kent. Oh, why, and why would that be? Boy. Uh, cause I you know why? I I see a lot of Roy in me. <laughs> see that he's probably good well you know jason sudeikis could say good morning and make me laugh but um yeah. i like his uh you know like his assistant coach where he says nothing but says everything i just yeah. am fascinated coach by that coach beard. coach beard yeah yeah coach beard. it's yeah. just like like <laughs> no i love it it's hilarious uh -oh. <laughs> all right well matt i really appreciate you taking the time to be a guest on connect podcast and uh thank you so much for um for joining us and uh, i appreciate everybody joining us as well and uh, we'll see you next week for another episode of connect have a great rest of your day Here we go. Thank you.